I'm your host, Mark Colley, as always, joined by Bryson and Jacob. And you say Kikuchi is a Toronto Blue Jay. We knew a couple days ago that we'd be back here in a few days talking about all the news that's going down. Hasn't been the transaction frenzy we thought it would be, but the Blue Jays getting on top of it. They already signed a reliever to a major league deal. Now they get Yusei Kikuchi bolstering their major league rotation and giving them, I mean, we're going to talk about this, but probably the best rotation in certainly the AL East, maybe the entirety of the American League, or even all of baseball, but we'll get to that. Guys, how are you? Doing good, Mark. Nothing better than free agency officially underway for the Blue Jays. We know that this is a guy that the Jays have shown interest in before he chose the Mariners three years ago, so the fact when he declined his club option and it was announced that he was going to be going to the open market... Didn't surprise me one bit or shouldn't have surprised anyone that the Jays were going to kind of revisit uh, Yusei Kikuchi, and they did here. I mean, making him pretty much their fifth starter. The rotation now is set. We've been talking about how they've been missing probably one more name, and it looks like this is kind of like the Steven Matz replacement here. And the rotation is officially set. The depth gets better, and spring training is underway. It is a good time to be a Blue Jays fan and a baseball fan. Yeah, that's the most often heard comparison right now, Steven Matz, in terms of just what the Blue Jay fans are expecting from, um, you know, pitching coach Pete Walker to do in terms of um, Yusei Kikuchi's second half performance last year and his uh, his numbers as well. But Jacob, how are you? You know what? I I like the move. I'm happy about that. I am a little bit surprised about it. However, overall, if you you have a rotation now set for the, at least the next two years and 80% of it set for the next three and three years and beyond. So very happy that this has happened. First, I think, big signing or big transaction the Blue Jays have made in the second offseason. So I'm I'm overall very happy. And more importantly, I'm happy that we know that this is not the last thing that the Blue Jays are going to do. A lot of reports have come out saying that the $12 million per year, or actually $16 million this year that they're going to get out of uh, Kikuchi, that doesn't end their transactions. And this is just... Consider this the calm before the storm, even though it's not very calm, it's very good. Certainly, they're still involved in the infield market, which we've seen with their interest in Jonathan VR, which I'm sure we're going to get to later in this podcast. But um, let's start with the money that the Blue Jays are giving Yusei Kikuchi. It's three years, $36 million. Jacob, as you just said, $16 million for the first uh, year of the contract. Um, some people have been complaining that this is an overpay. I mean, you look at his money, you look at his stats from last season with Seattle, really good numbers in the first half, but he did trail off towards the second half of the season. 29 starts overall, a 4.41 ERA overall. Again, better half in the first half than the second half. And of course, he was an all-star and he did go to Colorado there, but it kind of tailed off towards the end of the season. Is this an overpay? Like, is this a type of deal that the Blue Jays are going to get, you know, a kind of Tanner Rourke type performance where they get a, you know, one okay season out of him and then he kind of craps the bed in the first month of the second season? Or are the Blue Jays actually getting a good deal? Is the comparison more of a Steven Matz, a J.A. Happ, where the Blue Jays get him, the Blue Jays can work with him, and he ends up being a stalwart of the rotation for a couple of years? 
I like that comparison you made. However, I think it's more of a J-Hap or that type of scenario because, like, okay, yes, 16 million may be a little too much for this season if you want to look at it that this season alone, but an average annual value of 12 million a season, it's not bad. And I think the best way to put it is you're not going to get somebody for much less than that. Like even Robbie Ray at, at the season that he had in 2021 or 2020 coming into 2021, $8 million. Okay, fair enough. You can shave off a couple million and consider it a better deal. But at this, like these guys, they're not going to nickel and dime or I mean, it's not really nickeling and diming, but you know what I mean? Like they're not going to say, okay, I don't want, I want 11 million instead of 10. Like you're going to need to pay at least this much for major league talent. And you know, at the end of the day, this is a guy with three years of major league experience. And the important thing is he's improved every single year of his career. And you mentioned with 2021, big fall off in the second half of the season. He had some months where his ERA was up above seven, but overall a 441 ERA was 517 in 2020 or in 2020, where he made nine starts previous year in 2019, 32 starts and a 546 ERA. So it's steadily getting better. And then even things like his um, his strikeout for strikeout per nine six point five in twenty nineteen now down to or up to nine point three like his numbers are getting better. The only thing I guess you can consider is his walks have been going up. His walks per nine specifically up at three point six compared to uh, two point eight in twenty nineteen. So there is work to be put in there however I think and I've said this before Pete Walker is a strong third variable in this situation and it's not just you come to a new team you come to a new fan base and you're automatically better like you have one of the better pitching coaches in baseball and I think this will be a good deal now obviously that's me being hopeful that's me being optimistic you know nobody wants Yusei Kikuchi to fail for this organization but when you think about it it kind of makes sense. You have a guy that's getting better overall, but there are areas where he can improve. And when you have a guy like Pete Walker turn Robbie Ray or be part of the Robbie Ray turnaround, I think that this is, it's a deal you kind of, you have to take. And as I said a few minutes ago, you're not going to get a guy like this or really anybody for much less. And and, uh, that's just kind of how it is. So I think it's a good deal. It's not a, Ke- a Kevin Gosman 2.0. It's more of an underrated-ish signing, but it's one that I think a lot of fans are going to come to love in the next couple of years. Yeah, I mean, this was one of the holes I think that this team had coming out of the lockout, and it doesn't surprise me one bit that they went out and got another starter. I mean, especially in a way where you're going to have a shortened spring training, you need to load up on all the arms you can get. And perhaps they add a couple more. We all know they have to add to the bullpen as well. So this didn't surprise me. And of course, this seems like another thing where the Jays are revisiting previous interest. I mean, they did the same thing with Kevin Gosman. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the uh, the podcast, they were after him in 2019 before he chose to go to the Seattle Mariners. So the, the thing with Kikuchi, I guess, throughout these uh, first three years is you know, the potential's there, the upside is still there, and it still remains there entering this year. He's just unfortunately underperformed in certain aspects ever since coming to the major leagues. And I mean, you know, the second half fall off is the reason for his inflated numbers from what we saw last year, because before that, I think it was an ERA just above three. I think it was around 316 his first 15 starts. The potential's there, and it is optimistic that he is going to work with Pete Walker. And it's very similar. Uh, Jacob, you mentioned Jay Happ, and of course, you can also mention Steven Matz, who um, was on the Jays last year. And 
And, you know, the contracts, I think, are similar in a way, as much as Steven Matz got more term. Uh, Kikuchi got more pretty much money, I guess, in terms of this year. He's getting $16 million. So, you know, the tools are there for him. And you have to imagine that he's going to be a solid piece to the back end of this rotation. When I saw the news, again, wasn't surprised that it was him. And there's optimism there to work with him. I mean, you know, for somebody who relies on his fastball a lot and his cutter, I think those are his top two right now in his repertoire. He also has got a slider and a changeup. So, you know, in terms of percentiles too, I mean, there there was a lot where he was, I, I guess, on the, you know, more than half of the league in terms of that. I mean, his chase rate was decent as well as his strikeout percentage. And I mean, you know, and then of course the cons of that, I think his average exit velocity against was pretty low. And one of the, I guess, leading, you know, in terms of pitchers, which isn't always a good thing. I think it was around 92 miles per hour. So there's stuff to be worked on there. He's not perfect. There is upside, however. And, you know, in terms of an overpay, I don't really look at it as an overpay. You look at what the Jays are going to be doing afterward. This doesn't affect the rest of their spending. So that's why I'm not really bothered by it. The club option he turned down from Seattle, I think, was $13 million this year. So at the time, it seemed like a bit of, um, you know, a wise and bold move from him. But, you know, something had to have no. He must have known that he was going to get something similar on the open market. You have to imagine there was other interested teams out there. I think the Mets were another team who were looking at him, and it kind of died down. And then the Jays kind of took over from there. So they get him from the Seattle Mariners, a good, good option. Now you have Jose Barrios, Kevin Gosman, Hunjin Ryu, Alec Manoa, and of course Yusei Kikuchi. Now the other thing I look at it too is the ripple effect. You have Ross Stripling, Nate Pearson, who are other options for the rotation, obviously. At this point, it's easy to say on paper if they start the year with a five-man rotation. I know some teams are actually discussing maybe starting the year with a six-man rotation because of the shortened spring, and we know that it takes pitchers long longer than usual to get you know to get going to get stretched out compared to I guess batters or hitters. So to start the year, I think this is also really wise because if they do go that route, I'm not saying they are because we don't know right now. You like where you sit. You have Nate Pearson and Ross Stripling as an option, and then eventually. Whenever they do revert back to the five-man rotation, that bullpen just got a lot more good in terms of depth. You have Ross Stripling, who it just felt like, you know, there were times last year where he felt more comfortable coming out of the bullpen at times. I know he was kind of raffled by injuries a few times, which also threw him off. So he's somebody that you can probably rely on as well in the middle of the bullpen. Nate Pearson, though, late in the game, coming out of the bullpen, that's scary uh, for teams coming out of the bullpen with pretty much his potential. We know the question marks with his health. This is another reason why I think they did that. They're loading up on depth, and you can't blame them for that because the bullpen is still something that they need to improve on as much as the rotation now is definitely top within the American League. I mean, some people are saying that. Obviously, the ALEs for sure. So this move is definitely needed, I think, as much as, you know, they still have other gaps to fill. We were talking about middle infielders all offseason. Again, there's the bullpen that they have to look at. So Kikuchi brings a lot of depth. And there's a lot of potential for him to turn things around. You look at their track record with doing that, so, or doing so against Steven Matz, Jay Happ. You should be optimistic as a Blue Jays fan, and because the contract isn't going to affect their future spending, I don't really look at it. You know, as much as you can make the debate, it isn't overpay. It doesn't worry me to clarify that. So that's why I'm really excited to see what Kikuchi does, and it's a solid addition in my opinion too, because the. The market, I think, for starting pitchers was always thin coming out of the lockout as well. The hitters, on the other hand, is a little bit of a different story, which is why there's so many other options out there. But for the starting pitching, we knew the market was thin, and that's why I think going back to Kikuchi, you know, somebody who the Jays have previously shown interest in, not a bad move at all. I'm a fan of the signing. I'm glad they didn't go past three years. That rotation now, pretty much all of them, team control, Jacob, you mentioned it. It's definitely a good spot that the Jays are currently in. Yeah, I'm right there with you. In order for it to be an overpay, 
they have to pay more than the market average. And right now the market average is right along what the Blue Jays paid for Yusei Kikuchi. Because like you said, you look at the Steven Matz deal, it's four years, $44 million to go to St. Louis. That's right up what Yusei Kikuchi is getting. It, it's pretty much the exact same number, just you know a little bit more risk for the Blue Jays, I guess, because they're giving him a little bit higher average annual value. But at the same time, you're doing it for a shorter period of time, and you say Kikuchi is 30 years old, so you're probably getting the last couple of years of his prime. So you can weigh the options, but it by by and large, it's not more than the rest of the market is getting. And as you mentioned, not a lot of starting pitching options left. Carlos Rodon just signed, um, and we saw Clayton Kershaw just signing back with the Dodgers. So there's the the options are getting slimmer and slimmer and slimmer. So if the Blue Jays wanted to make an improvement in the rotation and kind of take it to the next step. Now was the time to do it, and they've done it with Yusei Kikuchi. Um, I do like what you mentioned about the depth. It's definitely advantageous for the Blue Jays to get this guy because now, like you said, they have Ross Stripling who's going into the bullpen. They have Nate Pearson who's going into the bullpen. And if they have an injury to one of these guys, if Yusei Kikuchi comes down with an injury, or like we saw this year with um, you know Ryu missing some time with his injury, if the Blue Jays have that again in 2022, they're not going to have to resort to you know what we saw at the start of last season. Robbie Ray was out. The Blue Jays went with TJ Zoic in their opening series against the New York Yankees. We're not going to see that this year. You know, worst case scenario, maybe if you get a couple injuries at the same time, the Blue Jays end with, end up with Trent Thornton starting, which like obviously is not great because he's not a good starter. But um, the Blue Jays have other options before they get to him. They have. Uh, a Ross Stripling, they have a Nate Pearson, and they have that depth to prevent that situation from happening. So um, I think this makes the Blue Jays rotation one of the best in baseball. I don't know if you guys agree with that. I know a lot of people are saying that right now, and Jeff Passan, when he tweeted out the news, he said that the Blue Jays rotation is one of the best in baseball. It, It was already really good, and it just got a whole lot better. But you look at the starting five, you got Hyunjin Ryu, you got Kevin Gosman, you got Jose Brios, you now have Yusei Kikuchi. Um, you have so many amazing names in there, not to mention Alec Manoa, who is going to be up here for a full season. And you look at the comparison to what the Blue Jays did in 2021, um, they had the sixth best starter ERA in baseball. And that's, as I just said, without a full season of Jose Brios, without a full season of Alec Manoa, and without Kevin Gosman. Yes, you're taking away Robbie Ray, but you get to replace him with Kevin Gosman. So it's essentially a net zero there. So you look at that, and you add in Yusei Kikuchi, you take away that volatility that you had at the start of the season with the injuries and in the middle of the season with Ryu. And, you know, we don't totally know what Ryu is going to be in 2022, but you know, by and large, I think the Blue Jays are angling to be a top three rotation in baseball at the very least, and they have the potential to go even higher. So it's a very exciting time, but I want to get your guys' thoughts on that. Are the Blue Jays now a top three rotation in baseball? Absolutely. Call it a bold take all you want, but look, Ryu is going to probably be your fourth starter this season. Unfortunately, you know, he. but the thing is, he easily could fit as a number two or number three guy, most likely number two guy on any other rotation. And if he's your fourth best starter, I think that proves that you have a, a dominant rotation. And now the thing is, there's no guarantee Kevin Gosman's going to be as good as he was last season. No guarantee Manoa's going to be as good. Brios, I think it's fair to expect similar or better performance. So I'm not going to say that the rotation is it's not set in stone like yeah there are things that might need to be seen before we can fully gauge it but 
based on projections alone, I think this is easily one of the best and deepest rotations and really pitching staffs in all of baseball. And what killed the team last year, and we discussed this at length, it was that period in April, May, and early-ish June when they had two guys in their starting rotation. Their bullpen was 90% people that we had never heard of until they were first brought up. And that's no disrespect to any of the guys. It's just kind of how the, the business worked. And they were very, very thin on pitchers. And this season, the guys that this team has, they're the guys that were here not from the start, so maybe June and on. And those were the guys that kind of carried this team. Like even the bullpen, we talk about the rotation, it's set. But you look at, you know, Tim Meza obviously missed a lot of time. They brought in Yimmy Garcia. Uh, Adam Simber missed a lot of time. Julian Merriweather missed time. Trevor Richards, obviously, uh, he came in later in the season. Ross Stripling, or Nate Pearson, Ross Stripling, kind of hand in hand. But this pitching staff, like, it looks good. And, and also having, I think it was you, Mark, that mentioned this, having Kikuchi now in the rotation, you can now put Stripling and Pearson, if you don't want to go with a six-man rotation, you can put them both in the bullpen and as much as I want Pearson to be a starter, and that's why I said at the very beginning I was a bit surprised that they were going to go and get another starter, if you can have a guy throwing 100 miles an hour easily at the back end of your rotation, actually two of them, because we're forgetting about Jordan Romano, you can have two of them, and this is it's a lethal roster. Just literally every roster spot is amazing, and it's it's going to be tough. Like, Look, the team last year obviously did somewhat get carried by their offense, but not really like the rotation the bullpen once it got going once they got healthy made additions it was dominant and it's it's going to be a very exciting season if you have four or five guys that can hit 30 plus home runs and then four guys that can give you a three era in or three or below era in your rotation and a dominant closer and just dominant everywhere so can't say enough really about what ross atkins and mark shapiro have done because they have built when you look at the difference between the start of last season and the start of this season, I think it's fair to say that they have built a World Series contender from day one, as long as everything goes to plan, because we know how things can go. But this this roster, it is, it is one of the best, I think, in all of baseball from day one, and I think that's why a lot of people are very excited about it. Yeah, this is no question one of the top uh, rotations in baseball. I mean, the American League can make a very solid case, too. I don't even think it's really close right now in the AL East. I mean, you look at Baltimore, you completely write them off. I mean, you look at Boston, they have a couple guys, not a lot. And same with the Yankees. Like, in the AL East, I don't think it's even close. And I think in the AL in particular, you can really make a strong case besides, you know, a couple other teams that are up there with rotation. We know that the White Sox are usually pretty good with the rotation. I think the Astros last year had a pretty good rotation as well. They're getting Justin Verlander back this year. Yeah, Seattle has to, Robbie Ray. Just to compare it to what took place last yeah. year, you look at the AL teams that are above the Jays, and it was the top three teams in starter ERA were all National League teams, and then it was yep. Chicago White Sox, Houston Astros, and then the Blue Jays. So, I mean, and the, the White Sox are losing yeah. Rodon, so... 100%. So yeah, that's exactly why. And you look at it from last year too, and that's what gets you optimistic. Even going into, I guess, what, what we see right now in spring training, we all know that moves are pending. But for the Jays, I mean, there's no really argument I think you can make other than they're up there, at least in the American League. And I know um, I mentioned Seattle. I know that Noah Syndergaard's obviously going to be an angel this year. It'll be, but that rotation also really depends on the Shohei Otani health to, you know, for the rotation to be past that average mark. So, you know, when you look at those teams, I guess those are the only teams really that you can look at and say, 
you know, if you want to put them in anywhere of the same conversation to a point, that's what you do. But I think the Jays are definitely up there and past them. And, you know, if you're going to make an argument, legitimate argument about the rest of baseball, like you said, Mark, you had the Dodgers. I know they lose Max Scherzer, but of course, they still have a really deep rotation. You know, Milwaukee's up there too. So it's going to be interesting. And I know the Mets this year, who Max Scherzer went to, they're going to be up there as well. So, you know, in terms of it be as deep as it is, I think the Jays are definitely up there. And if they're not the first, they're definitely top three, top four, at least. And we're assuming everything goes to plan as well and everyone stays healthy. So that's why, you know, you look at it and it doesn't really make you hesitate at all. They're a lot better of a team entering this year with the starting rotation. You know, as much as you still look at the holes they have in the infield pitching wise, they're a better team, 100%. And uh, they still have moves to make for the bullpen. That's going to be addressed at one point too. So and that was the fact that was the, that was what was holding back the team last year. I mean, we started off with a, you know, a decent rotation, but then the bullpen, we all know how bad that was. And, you know, they eventually figured things out. They eventually put the pieces together. They were a game short. We know that they kind of caught fire a little too late. Now they're starting the year with this all in their hands. And the offense is still, even without the the expected addition of an infielder, we know that right now is the offense as well as deep as it is right now, we're all pretty solid with it. But going back to the pitching, I mean, I think this really does put them over. And I know even before, even if, let's just say they enter the year without Kikuchi and you have Stripling or uh, Pearson as one of your, your fifth starters, I think we're all kind of fine with it. And I think it was acceptable to begin with, but this latest signing definitely puts them over and that's why the confidence in all of us should be through the roof in terms of the rotation and in, t- in terms of the depth and it's going to be exciting to see if they add any more because I wouldn't be surprised especially for the bullpen they had a couple more pieces I don't think that's crazy to assume so we keep talking about Nate Pearson um it's not a surety that he's on the team this year now that the Blue Jays have a rounded out rotation There have been a lot of people speculating that Pearson could be on the move. We know the Blue Jays are still involved in the infield market. As I mentioned, they're involved with Jonathan Villar, and they they have interest in him. But there's also other guys that are trade candidates. There's Matt Chapman of the Oakland Athletics. There is, dare I say his name, Jose Ramirez of the Cleveland Guardians. So there are guys that they could send Pearson away to get. Should they trade Pearson? Will they trade Pearson? Is it kind of time to say, you know, you've had your chance with the Blue Jays, you've had your injuries, you haven't been able to make it work. Maybe a change of scenery is good, but we're not going to give you another chance here. Because to be honest, the Blue Jays are kind of past the, the, the window of giving opportunities to guys who are trying to get their feet wet at the major league level. They're past that point in their competitive window. They are now at the time when they are winning now. We're talking about them having one of the best rotations in baseball, one of the best lineups in baseball. Bullpen needs some work, but we're talking about them being one of the best teams in baseball, or at the very least, the American League. So they're kind of past the window of giving opportunities to someone like Pearson. Is it time to trade him? Should the Blue Jays trade him? Will the Blue Jays trade him for someone like Jose Ramirez and Matt Chapman? I don't want to talk about this. I'm going to be completely (laughs) honest because I... I didn't want Austin Martin traded. I, I'm my opinion's completely changed on that. I'll take eight years of Brios, but I don't know if I'm ready to give up on Nate Pearson yet. And you bring up a very compelling argument. This is win now mode. Like this isn't 2019 or even 2020 where you're seeing what you have. Like this is World Series territory at this point. And and I I know I said that a lot last year, but like this is legitimately the time when this team can be competing for a championship. And I. I don't want to see Pearson gone, but if it's if it's what it takes to get somebody like Jose Ramirez or Matt Chapman, then I'm willing to accept it because at the same time, 
you do like Nate Pearson's very good. Whether he's a reliever or a starter, he'll still impact the team when he's healthy and if he can get to where the Blue Jays want him to be. But I think it's fair to say that an infielder, particularly a third baseman, would probably impact the team more than what Pearson could do. And so that's why, you know, it's you don't want to see a guy like that go. Somebody who is or was expected to be one of the top prospects or top pitching prospects and in really all of baseball, you don't want to see that not pan out. But if it's what it takes, I think, to get somebody right now, like this isn't as much as you also do need to focus on investing in your future. If they need if in order to win now, you need to give up a little bit from your future. It's it's something you have to consider. Also, I think what else we should mention, what else is part of that deal? Because if it's Pearson, uh, I don't know, Guriel, Kirk, and a top prospect, then maybe that's a little too much. But if it's, you know, for Jose Ramirez, that is, but any kind of top player, if it's Pearson instead of, say, a top prospect, fair enough. I think at that point it, it's fair. But if it's, you know, Pearson and then three other guys who, or two other guys that are part of your current roster, and then another guy that's, a highly ranked prospect, then that's a little too much. But if Pearson's like that deciding factor to say, we want this guy, and then you are free to make this trade, probably something the Blue Jays should consider. And it's not because Pearson's been bad for them. I mean, it's not panned out for him and the team the way that they've expected to. But you're kind of at the point now where if you want a a top infielder that's going to impact your team right now, it's probably going to come at the cost of Nate Pearson. And so I think for a lot of Blue Jay fans that might have the same opinion as me, they don't want to see him gone, you might have to start considering it because this team, it's winning now. And if winning now comes at the cost of, unfortunately, Nate Pearson, you kind of have to consider it. Because also, as Bryson, you mentioned to us earlier, Jose Ramirez is not a free agent after this season. There's a player option. So if you you trade Pearson, you get Jose Ramirez for, I don't know, two three years, something like that, or a club option. Thank you for correcting me. If you can get them for two plus or three or four years, that's something you absolutely need to consider. So it, it we might be getting to the point where we come back here and talk about Nate Pearson being gone and being part of, indirectly being part of the success of the current team by adding to it. Yeah, I mean, I think... If a trade does happen in particular with Cleveland, I think Nate Pearson's a starter in it. Like I, I don't see it any other way without them getting a getting Nate Pearson. Matt Chapman, however, I don't know. I feel like there's a little bit more potential options you can make uh, that maybe don't involve Pearson. But I mean, there's other names we know that Groshans is a hot topic of a conversation. Teams are going to want Moreno, but I think the Jays are pretty much untouchable with him. Same with the Rivals Martinez. So there's a lot of different like combinations. Like we've gone over so many different types of trade like mock trades especially for Jose Ramirez and that's why I mean if he's going to the if if Jose Ramirez is going to be a Blue Jay I think it's pretty set in stone that Nate Pearson is going to be a guardian and then there's going to be a lot more going his way too we know the the price is through the roof for him and then and that's why I think you know if they ended up doing the move I think I've told you guys this way before the lockout is that I was fine with it and I know a lot of people are kind of expecting that to be the case if there's a trade that Pearson's going to be involved and I think the deciding factor too is what else would be in that trade and then of course that's when you can start you know figuring it out if you really like it or if you really don't like it so I just look at it from a way too and I think this Kikuchi signing um, is a 
pretty damn good argument uh, to say otherwise is that they are concerned or they're not overly concerned. I should say they're not confident with Nate Pearson's health. And I think that's very real. And I think it's a very legitimate argument that you can make because if, again, if they went with this rotation without Kikuchi this year, we'd be fine. However, once there's a couple injuries, the depth's in question. And then we all know Nate Pearson's health alone is also a question too. So they prepared, they have the depth for it now. And that's why, you know, is this also a way because they're making him or they're going to they're kind of preparing for an opportunity to do that? I kind of want to tie it in a little bit with this Jonathan VR news. I mean, it doesn't really make sense right now why the Jays would want him. But if you look at the bigger picture, you know, a lot of people are saying and I don't think it's crazy to assume either that they're really loading on depth even in the infield because of a potential trade you ne- you never know. And we again, we went over so many names. Jacob, you mentioned Guriel. I know we've mentioned Biggio at times as well. We've mentioned Kirk. If this is a way the Jays do it for Jose Ramirez, I just feel like also, it, and it kind of ties into Jonathan VR, why are they bringing in Jonathan VR when you don't necessarily, you know, that's not the replacement bat you're looking for. I know he brings a lot off the bench. He's fast and all that. But I think all this in a way ties together a little bit. So, it's going to be interesting what they see because we all know the we all know what we've seen pretty much on Twitter. We see, I think it was Joel Sherman said basically what he's heard from agents is that the Jays are really aggressive and they're really expecting them to make one more move to the offense to replace the bat of Marcus Simeon. So they're lined up for it. And even if uh, they do make this trade for Ramirez, a lot of people are saying too, and it makes sense because of the farm system, that the only team that can really get this done if they wanted to would be the Jays because of how loaded their farm system is even after the Simeon Woods-Richardson trade and the Austin Martin trade for Jose Barrios. They are still loaded up uh, in terms of their farm system, and it's going to be interesting. But if it does come for Jose Ramirez, I'm fine with dealing Nate Pearson. Now, again, if you want to mention Matt Chapman, I think you can have a little bit of a different conversation. I think maybe that's more of a little bit of a debate if you're willing to give up Nate Pearson from Matt Chapman. But either way, it's an upgrade for the offense, and it's an upgrade that the Jays are looking for. And they've prepared for it as well in terms of the starting rotation with the depth because of the question of Nate Pearson's health and maybe the long term. I mean, is he going to be here long term? We really don't know. But I don't think anything's off the table with Nate Pearson at all. Yeah, I mean... The way that I look at it is that Nate Pearson is obviously a very valuable asset. Everyone knows that, whether it's the fans, whether it's the Blue Jays, whether it's teams around baseball. He was, once upon a time, a top 10 prospect in all of baseball. He's got insane velocity. Like He is a top prospect. He's a commodity that a whole bunch of teams will want. And when you look at the fact that, you know, we want Jose Ramirez. The Blue Jays would benefit from having Jose Ramirez if they get Jose Ramirez they are probably favorites for the AL pennant. What is that going to cost? And I'm happy giving up Pearson because of the additions that Jose Ramirez is going to give for this team. So that's the way that I look at it. And if giving away Pearson saves you from trading someone like Gabriel Moreno or saves you from trading someone like Aralvis Martinez or even Jordan Groshans, I am all for it. I would rather bet on those guys who are younger, who are ranked highly in the MLB system, than someone who has had his chance in the majors, hasn't totally panned out yet, but you know a little bit more of who he is. You can bet a little bit safer on him to say, okay, I think we can pin him down to this guy who's got this high potential, struggling with injuries, might not totally pan out, versus Gabriel Moreno, which you know we don't totally know what he's going to be, but you know the sky's the limit for him, and he's one of the top prospects in baseball. So I would rather keep 
you know, hold on to those properties and hold on to those players instead of holding on to Nate Pearson when we already maybe kind of know what he is. Again, there's a lot of uncertainty here, but um, I'd rather hold on to Moreno or Alvis Martinez, Groshans, those kind of guys, than move him. And when we talk about someone like Matt Chapman, I think Pearson could still be involved in that type of deal. I just think it would mean that you're not giving up as much elsewhere. Maybe you're giving up a lesser tier prospect, someone, I don't know, Kevin Smith, maybe is someone who's involved in that package or you know maybe you do get end up giving up someone like Alejandro Kirk but that's it you don't end up giving up a prospect it's just Pearson and Kirk so I don't know um, obviously that package is going to be smaller if it does happen than what the Blue Jays would pay for Jose Ramirez but you know we want Jose Ramirez <laughs> that's who everyone wants he's the you know the prized possession of this offseason if he does end up moving which honestly if the Guardians don't move him I feel like that's a very uh, a very big mistake on their part just because he is such a huge asset and they're not doing anything right now. Um, but yeah, I do want to kind of wrap up this podcast by talking about what's next for the Blue Jays. Um, Bryson, you mentioned Jonathan Fiar. I, I think like that is the area that they have to move into. Um, that's kind of the last unanswered question they have is who's filling in on the infield? Who are they getting to replace Marcus Simeon? And who are they going to get on the left side of the infield to improve off of, you know, Joe Panic, to improve off of Kevin Biggio? Although, you know, I've mentioned to you guys, I do, I do like what Kevin Biggio offers to the team. I think he can be a really good player in 2022, but that's a conversation for another day. What are the Blue Jays doing next? They have to solve the bullpen and they have to solve the infield. What are they doing over the next, you know, one, two weeks to solve that before opening day? I think priority number one has to be an infielder. And here's the thing. Jonathan VR is not bad. Last year in, or he had 454 at-bats, 249 batting average. Not terrible. But here's the thing. I don't think that he is, say you acquire him. I don't necessarily think that uh, he was with the Mets actually all of last season, I should mention. So I don't necessarily think if you bring in VR, I don't think that that's worth what you're going to give up, whether whatever it is, you know, like say you sign him, it's not worth it or, or the improvement that you're going to potentially get over BGO or Espinal. I don't think it's worth it. And I'm a little bit high on Espinal. I'll be completely honest. I know people have differencing opinions, but if you make Jonathan VR your starting third baseman, I don't necessarily think that that's the right move into because the the improvement is going to be so incremental that it makes sense to just go give up a little bit more for a much better player. Now, obviously, like I said, that's going to come at a, a lot higher of a cost. But I think at this point, you priority number one has to be just get a good infielder, a really good infielder, even if it comes at a higher cost. And when it comes to the bullpen... I have absolutely no idea. Like, I think it's, for the most part, set, potentially. Like, there, there are obviously going to be more moves. and But, you know, as we've been talking about with this Kikuchi situation, it allows you to now have more guys in the bullpen that were potentially going to be in the rotation. But we see this every year. There's always going to be minor league deals during spring training, before spring training. And some pan out, some don't. Some guys, you know, they come up to the majors, make opening day roster as a bit of a surprise to some fans and that's probably how it's going to be. I think the bullpen's very difficult to predict, but look at somebody who can just eat up innings and just inc increase your depth because I've mentioned how good I think the bullpen could be. 
but you know you're multiple injuries away from it being very very desperate I mean they did add uh, Yimmy Garcia earlier most of the guys from last season that were good uh, post June-ish are still here and guys that missed most of the season because of injuries were still here uh, they're here like they're staying and when I look at this bullpen it's mostly what we saw at the at the end of last season so just increase the depth a little bit I would say and I don't necessarily have any names off the top of my head just because it could be absolutely anywhere but I think priority number one at this point has to be an infielder and I'm not necessarily talking about VR I'm talking about somebody who's a lot bigger and a lot a lot more of an improvement over the current uh, the current setup just because it doesn't really make sense to me to give up uh, anything for somebody like Jonathan VR when you have comparable uh, players already on your roster and that's why I bring it up why are they bringing him in? Are they loading up on depth? Are they preparing for something that we don't know yet? So nothing's off the nothing's off the table. But pretty much what we're I think we should expect, and I think it's pretty obvious. First of all, the infielder we know that uh, the bullpen I think is going to figure itself out. I don't think it's going to take you know it's going to take a few more moves, but it, they're in a lot better of a position than they were last year, obviously. You know, and the one thing I do wonder too is even if they bring in an infielder who let's just say is a right-handed at bat. Are they still going to consider bringing in some sort of lefty in a different role? I mean, I don't think that's off the table. You know, there's lots of, you know, Kyle Schwarber noise with that from Blue Jays Twitter. I don't know how you guys feel about that too much, but left-handed hitter seems to be some sort of fascination as well that the Jays maybe want to do and bring in. So I think you can't rule that out either. But of course, the infielder is definitely going to be at the top of the list. I mean, that's pretty much, you know, the one thing that is holding them back in terms of have they been better than last year? You know, if you want to compare the rosters, the offense isn't there compared to last year. But again, it's not far off. And once they add one more move, then they're going to be well set over for the expectations. So that's what I look at. I mean, and in terms of a left-handed hitter, maybe it is an outfielder again. So, and then of course, you know, if you get a switch hitting third baseman like Jose Ramirez, I think your problems are solved. But if they decide to go a different route, you never know. And before I give it back to you, Mark, just to give you you guys some sort of comparison, the 2021 rotation entering the year: Hunjin Ryu, Ross Stripling, T.J. Zoic, Steven Matz, Tanner Roark. What a year that makes! And last year we were still excited for this team. You're looking at it now entering this year. Wow. Like, wow. We are going to be amazed with what they do this year as a starting rotation. I can't be more excited for that. So spring, uh, free agency has only happened, I think, for a couple days now. Spring trainings happened for a couple days. We still have a lot of chaos ahead here. There's a lot of movement. We know the one thing, as much as the Jays have made two signings, of course, we should mention they brought in Andrew Vasquez yesterday for the bullpen, a major league deal. They are busy behind the scenes. That's what we've been pretty much learning from. So expect a few more moves to come here within the next couple of weeks. I think it's pretty much a lock that they are far from done adding to their final pieces or the final touches for the 2022 uh, roster. Certainly. The most chaos is yet to come. We still don't know. I mean, There's still a ton of big names on the market, you know, not even just talking to Blue Jays, but like Trevor Story hasn't signed yet. Like Carlos Correa hasn't signed yet. Those are guys that are going to, you know, maybe not Story, but Correa is going to be getting $350 million easy and we don't know where he's signing yet. And spring training started yesterday. Like the chaos is going to, it's just going to be off the charts over the next few days. And yeah, Bryson, we're a long way from where the Blue Jays were even just a year ago, but also like two years ago when it was an opener and a guy was their starting rotation. And now we have, you know, these five people who every single one of them can be an all-star 
it's a rotation of all-stars so we're a long way from that and just one final note on vr um i i think if the blue jays are getting vr or at least i hope if the blue jays are getting vr it's not the end of their infield improvements like i think bryson you're right it has to be part of a bigger picture here because we've heard so much about how their budget's increasing how they have this interest it can't be the end point for them to just get VR, call the day, wash their hands, and say, look, we're ready for opening day. They're not. You know, VR is okay. He's good in a bench role. But you look at even who the Blue Jays were in 2020. They signed VR or they traded for VR, and he was a guy that was coming off the bench. And we're talking about how the Blue Jays have improved so much since then. You can't have VR in a starting position when he was a guy coming off the bench a couple years ago for the Blue Jays. So, um that's all I'll say on that. I think one bonus for VR that might help explain it a little bit is he is a switch hitter, so he does provide that left-handed bat, and if the Blue Jays are truly getting him as someone off the bench, as someone part of a bigger picture, I think it does work out for him to be a left-handed hitter, for him to be a switch hitter, for him to be able to attack from that side of the plate. But um, okay, I think we can wrap it up there. There's a lot happening in the world and uh, in certainly in the Blue Jays sphere of things and uh, we want to wrap this up before any more news breaks but um, as always you can support our podcast on Patreon that's patreon.com slash section 138 pod you can give us a rating and review on Spotify and on Apple Podcasts which just helps spread the word about what we're doing here and then lastly you can stay up to date with everything with everything we're doing on social media at section 138 pod all right we'll catch you next week